listening to 91.5 FM WPRK Winter Park, Florida, the voice of Rollins College, and the best in basement radio. You are tuned into the Motorsports Hour, talking about all sorts of racing. It happens here on WPRK every Sunday night from 8 to 9 p.m. Let me give you the website, themotorsportshour.com. Find our podcast there and find us in whatever your favorite podcast app may be. My name is Clark. I am your host alongside me tonight, as always, Mr. Chris Wire to Wire. Wire, how you doing over there, man? I'm doing well, sir. You're sounding good. Sounding Despite good. the immense heat yes. in Florida this weekend. There, there was some immense heat this weekend. Uh, I have a no lot idea why. And, and we were off last weekend because you were not in the immense heat of Florida over the 4th of July. By the way, Tuesday, weird day for 4th of July. Do not like it. I do. I like it. You like it? Yeah, oh. take off Monday. Got a four-day weekend. Just couldn't get into it, man. I was, it was because you're doing festivities on Saturday and Sunday, and then like by the time it rolls around on Tuesday, you're just kind of like, oh, I, I just, uh, you know, I, it's just too much. It's just too so, much. So I recommend the Monday off. Okay. Yeah. And I recommend three days of festivities yeah. and Tuesday as a wind down day. Uh, that's pretty much how we treated it, actually. I think. Very that's nice. Pretty much Very how nice. we treated it. You, however, you you were uh, up in uh, uh, you know the the northern areas of uh, North Carolina, as I understand it. Yeah, beautiful. Enjoying this, the, the weather. Beautiful this time of year. Yes. You know, high seventies, no humidity. Very I like nice. That. I like that. With family. Yeah. Oh, good. That's good. And we're actually going to be off the next two weeks because I'm going to be. Uh, in in Tennessee, in the northern reaches of Tennessee, of eastern Tennessee. Uh, you're going to uh, be glad you took some of the 4th of July weekend off because yeah. you're going to be absolutely whipped over the next 14 days. Yeah, I, I, I will. I will. But I, I tell you what, I am looking forward to it. Uh, I'm looking forward to having a, uh, a little break at, uh, you know, brother, brother and his, his kids and everybody coming in town, sister, her kid coming in town. Uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. Me, the kids, the wife, my mom's going up, everything. Best part, what? Best part. Here's what I've managed to, to, to scheme. All right, Allegiant. Allegiant flies to Chattanooga. Go to Chattanooga first. Allegiant yeah, Jen, this is not a scheme. This scheme. Is, this is not, just. This is a great idea. This is bad luck. Yeah. Just the way it worked out. Yeah, and I'm really doing everybody a favor. Wife, two kids, mom, flying on Allegiant. And so the thing is, when you go fly on Allegiant, it's like $29 or something like that, or $39 or something. And then, you know, they get you, oh, do you, do you want to, you know, reserve a seat? Do you want to, uh, you know, do you want to take a carry-on bag? Do you want to, you know, check the baggage, all that kind of stuff? And, oh, that's $29. That's another $39. That's another $59. And all of a sudden, your ticket's, you know, 150 bucks. But if you got your, you know, son or husband or dad driving the truck up yeah just toss it all in the truck buy the ticket it's 29 bucks so they're all getting on they're all getting on the plane i got like nine hours to myself in the car podcast whatever it is man i am set i'm looking forward to it and leave early yeah crack of dawn 5 a.m no traffic none we did we did that 2 a 2 30 in the morning wake up uh, 2 2 a.m wake up call on the road by three Lovely. Yeah. See the sunrise. I like seeing the beautiful. sunrise from the highway. Yes, absolutely. Always like doing that. Highly recommend it. Yeah, so that's that's what I'm doing. Dropping them off at the Asheville airport on the way home. 
driving home all by myself too. Again, you know, I think it wasn't twenty nine dollars. I think it was like thirty nine dollars. Price went up by ten bucks or something I like that. I think they're going to beat you home. I think they are going to beat my, beat me home. But here's the deal. You know, with a one year old and a four year old in the car, I mean, we'd stop every hour, two sure. hours, whatever it is. All that avoid it. All that not a possibility. Gone. Not dealing with it. I like it. I like my, I like my plan, not a scheme. No, a no, no, no. It's just it's just the luck of the draw. It is. Uh, so, Wire, uh, you know, you had a little vacation. I got a vacation coming up, so we're going to be off for a couple of weeks. However, in the meantime, we do have some stuff to talk about because we're back racing this weekend, uh, and we were in. We're in this mini back to back thing. Yeah, we are, and and just an absolute. You know, we were in Austria last week. Here's what the sprint race, by the way, we, we, we poo-pooed the sprint race earlier in the season. Sprint race in Austria, fantastic, awesome, incredible. Yeah, weather-aided. Yeah. But still, uh, you know, Bernie, the, the thing that Bernie was on, you know, the sprinkler thing with Bernie, uh, had, actually had something to it. Um, then uh, we've got, uh, you know, the sprint race was great. Uh, Max stopping on the you know penultimate lap to get a fresh set of tires, basically go out there and just to uh, twist that just uh, just twist that knife a little bit more. That was raw. It was. It was. It's like oh, Checo, you think you're having a good race, huh? Yeah, that's 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 cute. That's cute. Here's what I'm gonna do. And uh, that that was good. But no, we go to the UK to Silverstone. You know, every team, I think, is, is, you know, a stone's throw away, so to speak, from Silverstone, it seems like. It's a great track. I think it has actually been on the calendar. I think Silverstone has the only track that maybe, except for Monaco, that has been on the calendar every single year in Formula One. That I can recall, yeah. Yeah. In various forms. It's been oh, reconfigured yeah. multiple times, but. Old airfield, all that kind of stuff. And I know what you're thinking. Hey, it's just like Sebring, right? No, wrong. 480,000 fans, by the way. Kudos to the Brits. Seriously. Because that's massive. 480,000 people. The la- what was Texas? 442? Something. I, and, and that was the biggest. And then it was Texas. Then it was Australia. Then it was Texas. And I guess now it's, you know, Silverstone. They crushed it. I mean... Just knocking it out of the park. I, 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 when they did you think this, the special guest had anything to do with it? The special guest, maybe, maybe. And let's get into the big, the big news wire, and that is that uh, in the middle of the season, we now have a new team in Formula One, and more to come. Apparently, yeah, the the new team in Formula One started this race, um, and that is. Um, uh, Apex, uh, Apex Grand Prix, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Apex GP. Apex GP, and their driver is Brad Pitt. Well-renowned Formula One talent. Yes. Um, no, they're filming a Formula One movie, um, and they're you know getting camera shots, all that kind of stuff, and everything throughout the course of. Uh, it started basically production, or this aspect of production started this weekend uh, with Brad Pitt, you know, the elder statesman of, uh, for, of Formula One drivers, American Formula One driver, and I forget the other actor's name, uh, who I'm not familiar with. Damien Idris? Okay. I think. All right. I, I'm not familiar with I'm You know, actors is not really my thing. You know, I think everybody kind of knows who Brad Pitt is, it. though. 
I, I think just, I read it somewhere. Everybody knows Brad Pitt, so you know Brad Pitt, one of the most recognizable persons in the world. Uh, there, of course, he's been at Le Mans in the past. He's been in a lot of different places and everything. And uh, it's it's cool that we're doing a Formula One movie. I guess um, I've been burned on Formula One or on racing movies before. And then you get that diamond in the rough. You get Rush or something like that. Fantastic movie, you know. But we've also, you know, had the the Drivens of the world. I never watched that. Lucky you. Ford versus Ferrari was somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Good story. Yeah, great story. Too much CGI. Yeah. Well. Let's hope this is leaning toward the Rush side. Yeah, Rush was great. I I, I loved Rush. I thought that was fantastic, you know, and you know, little editorial things here, here and there. But, sure. um you know, anyway, it, it, that was a good movie. Let's hope that's how it ends up. But yes, filming scenes and everything. And I will tell you why. I, I, me personally, I've been part of a classic racing movie. I do tell. Yes. No, not Le Mans. I'm not that old. Not Steve McQueen at Le Mans. Steve, I mean, Le Mans, obviously, I think that the hands down best racing movie ever. It's not really a movie so much. There's like two pages of dialogue in it. It's basically cool scenes from Le Mans during the late seventies kind of thing. That's about it. Um, I remember being at the, whatever it is, you know, the Bush clash or the twin one twenty fives or whatever it is, all the races that they would do leading up to the Daytona 500 as part of speed weeks. Back when I was, I don't know, nine, 10 years old or something, eight, whatever it is. And they were filming days of thunder and i remember an american seeing, classic and i remember seeing cole trickle out there baby cole yes, trickle driving around in that city chevy and uh did I, you I see remember, him drop the hammer i you know I, I i didn't have the radio scanner back then my dad never sprung for the radio scanner so i couldn't see if you know every time he shifted into fourth gear he came on the radio and said i'm dropping the hammer i don't know um but I would imagine he would. It's one of the best parts. It's, it is one of the best parts. It's such a good movie. Such a great movie. It's it's good. It's ironic. Everything, but it's it's one of those movies that when I'm flipping through the channels, ooh, Days of Thunder. I might have to watch this. It's a guilty pleasure. It is a guilty pleasure. It, it absolutely is. By the way, I hear through the grapevine, which is, uh, you know, Whatever it is. By the way, Top Gun 2. Did you see Top Gun Maverick? Yeah. It's so good. Very awesome. good. Awesome. Excellent. Awesome. Told you about it. Awesome. Seen it multiple times already. Yeah. It's on, uh, you know, really, really, really good. Uh, uh, rumor is Tom Cruise might be revisiting some of his older movies. Days of Thunder 2. Because that's what we do now. Yeah, it is what we do now. Because Hollywood can't write anything interesting. Do you really want to go see another Marvel movie? I never watch Marvel movies. Neither have I. I've never. I've. I've. Yeah. I watched like I watched the first X Men movie when it came out twenty years ago. I'll do a little Batman here and there. That's it. I've never seen any of the Iron Mans and the other Me any either. stuff. I just. Eh. I would watch Maverick three with Penny Benjamin. I'd watch. I'd watch Maverick three, four, five, whatever it is. I, I would definitely watch Days of Thunder two. Uh, you know, but don't they use sequential? Uh, Gearboxes now in NASCAR? They do, yeah. Still floor shift, though. Yeah. Okay. No paddle shifts. Uh, all right. So, okay, racing movies and everything that's exciting. Brad Pitt's all over there. You, you know, you get all the all the fancy people there and everything. That's exciting. It's cool to see that. 
Uh, cool to see the interest in Formula One. We're going to have an F1 movie, I don't know, year or two, whatever it is that comes out. Hopefully it's good. Uh, apparently Brad Pitt is actually doing some of the driving, too. I mean, I think it's coming along at a good time. Yes. If if you're talking about, you know, catching a sport on the upswing. Yep. You know, we haven't even gotten to Vegas yet. And, you know, the crowds just continue to impress. The racing is getting better. Um, I don't, you know, we're not watching Red Bull fall apart or anything to where, you know, it, it's suddenly going to put results in jeopardy. But the racing is getting much better. And, you know, the results are less pre-subscribed or prescribed, I guess is a better word for it. Yeah. Um, you know, than they were in the first, say, four weeks of the season. They are. They are, certainly. So um, let's get to uh, to this. Um, talked a little bit about Austria and, and, you know, big news in the world of uh, Formula One leading into the British Grand Prix. That's Pretty, do we have any other earth-shattering news that we have to talk about, Wire? I don't believe so. I don't believe so either. Uh, so let's jump into uh, the weekend that was at Silverstone. And I just love going to this track. It is too. such a good track. There's a little bit of everything. Uh, there is. You know, a couple slow corners, and they reprofiled some of the slow corners maybe, what, 10 years ago or something like that. Uh, you know, they changed the start-finish line of where the start-finish line is and everything, and, and, you know, little adjustments here and there. But for the most part, they've left Silverstone well enough alone. Now, we still heard track limits a couple times um, this this week, and that's I guess that's kind of the earth-shattering news, that we changed the results of Austria, you know, after the fact, but that's neither here nor there. Um but if you put a wheel wrong at Silverstone, for the most part, you're going for a ride. You know, a couple corners, yeah, you, you can cheat a little bit, and people do, and that's a problem and all that kind of stuff. But for the most part, you run off the track, you're in the grass, and, you know, that's a problem. And guess what? Well, guess how many people, you know, violate track limits when there's a grass strip right there at the edge of the track? Not as many as those who are comfortable running off track onto asphalt. Yeah. How, how do we fix this wire? Because it, it's so it's good to watch. It's great to watch racing at a track like Silverstone where you got this ribbon of blacktop, some white lines and then, you know, grass. And yeah, you have the runoff on some corners. It's just so much more appealing to to me visually. Uh, you know, green grass, black asphalt, white lines and cars going really fast on it. It's so much more visually appealing to me than it is to see this just kind of sea of asphalt. And, and look, you know, we, we're not at Paul Ricard anymore, the, you know, parking lot with a bunch of lines on it, basically, um, which actually raced halfway decent a lot of the time, but it just, I, I couldn't watch a race there. I just can't watch, I couldn't watch a race there. It's hard on the eyes. It is. I, wait, wait, where are they going? Oh, they're going left at the first left, not the second or the third kind of thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, when you got a track that is structured to have, what, 160 different configurations or something, yeah. it's just ridiculous. Well, uh, you know, this is an old airfield, and, and this isn't an old airfield like Sebring where, you know, they run down this runway or that runway and then, you know, turn down this taxiway kind of thing. It's basically they 
kind of had created it around an airfield, more or less. And, uh, you know, the airfield's disused now. Um, but it's everything that a racetrack could and should be, quite frankly. Um, fast, fast, fast corners. Um, watching the cars go through cops is so good. Uh, just the way they change directions on, on that knife edge. And, and through cops, they get it right. They got a great rundown. The Maggots, Beckett's Chapel Complex that leads to the hangar straight. It's just this, you know, kind of um, intensifying corners, you know, swoop to the left, a little bit tighter, swoop back to the right, a little bit tighter, swoop back to the left, and then a tighter, you know, turn to the right, and then a kind of, a, you know, opening up uh, left-hander. That just, it's one of those corners where if you get it right, oh, it's so sweet. And if you put a wheel, you know, six inches in the wrong spot in any one of those, you know, complex, flowing, flowing corners, screws up your whole lap, screws up the whole corner. It's just shot. It's not one of these things where, oh, I was a little bit off there and I lost a tenth of a second. I kind of no, have there. to disagree with you on that because really? maybe, maybe in the, in the Magus Beckett's cops, you know, run the S's. Because there's really only one fast way through there. It's not that the cars can't get through that quickly, but there's only one fastest way. Right. But I mean, when you run up to Stowe or when you come down, you know, and you do the the turn one, turn two with, with the which are I think Abbey and Farm, you know, which which were the new ads when they redesigned the track. Right. Those corners are so fast, but you can go through them sometimes too wide. You yeah. can take multiple you know, lines through the corners because the track is wide and the cars are such that, you know, sometimes they'll peek out a little bit to get a little more air on the front so the car turns in, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but the the circuit as it is in a lot of areas, if you think of, uh, you know, Brooklyn's down through Luffield, which is that, you know, that plus 90 degree left-hander at the end of the Wellington Strait, and then the long, you know, plus 180 degree yeah. corner leading through Woodcote onto the, you know, old front straightaway. You can go through there in three, two or three different, you know, places or two or three different lines and make it work. I, you can, and those corners are exciting because of that. But just watching, watching it on race day, but just watching a single car go through a set of corners, Maggots, Beckett's Chapel, that whole complex is. So good, I think. I it, it, I, it's it's like watching, um, I, you know, you watched cars at, at Suzuka and the S's and everything at Suzuka and just how flowing and, and you know, kind of you just have to have this rhythm of the track down to hit it at Suzuka. You have to have that rhythm down in that complex. And it's just it's cool to watch those cars when somebody gets it right on a single lap. It's It's pretty close to magic. It looks really good. If you if you get the right camera angle, you wonder how these guys don't just slide off the track when they approach back at the left hander at Beckett's because it actually crests, you know the, the the landscape actually crests so they go a little bit uphill into it and then the middle of the apex is at the peak and then they go down the other side of it it's it's just slight with the right camera angle you can see it and I marvel all the time how these cars don't get light I know they have downforce and all that stuff but. When you have the terrain falling yeah. out from below you, 
it just makes the car light and you lose the downforce to a to a degree and, and you're basically but, i mean you're, you're driving too you're not driving from your normal dri- you're driving from what knee high basically yeah. thereabouts yeah you're right on it i mean you you know there's guys eyes are basically level with your knee and that's you know maybe maybe you know mid thigh all right and to be able to see something like that from that you know level is pretty cool i love silverstone the fans love silverstone the brits love silverstone um you know everybody seems to seems to love this track there was a lot of talk years ago oh are we going to go back to silverstone there you know whatever we got to we we've, we've got to stay at these tracks um, and then you and I have said, look, I think it's great that we're going to Vegas and all that kind of stuff, but it can't not be, it cannot be at the expense of these incredible racetracks. No, I agree. And you know, and there were times where the contract was up and yeah. we're midway through the season yeah. and they have not agreed to, to a new contract. Yeah. And so, yes, you know, uh, you and I agree hundred percent that it needs to be on the, on the schedule. You know, we need to go there. We love going there, but that's the business side of Formula One that, you know, if, if both sides don't sign on the dotted, doesn't matter how much everybody wants to be there. Well, this is, and we also have a new model coming into Formula One, and that is the Vegas Grand Prix model. Um, normally, the, the model, every every racing model in the past has been, you know, hey, well, we want to host Formula One. Okay, do you have a track that meets, you know, FIA uh, you know, specifications for a Formula One race, you know, do you have the ability to, you know, host it with the amount of people that'll be there and everything, you know, we're not, you know, it's all well and good if you have a track in the middle of nowhere, but you got to have hotels and all that kind of stuff and everything that goes along. Okay, can you do that? Okay, yeah, stroke us a check for $30 million, $50 million, whatever that sanctioning fee is, and we'll bring the circus to town. That was always the model. Vegas is changing that. The Vegas race is not being put on by a promoter. There's not a promoter uh, who is, you know, fronting the money and then hopefully getting it back in ticket sales. That's what you do, right? You pay Formula One $30 million uh, and, you know, you take in $60 million in uh, ticket sales. You know, you pay everybody there, you know, $50 million, uh, you know, or whatever that number is to, or maybe you take in $40 million from the gate or whatever that number is. And, you know, you, you pay out $35 million to all the people that are there and all that kind of stuff and all the staff and everything. And then you pocket $5 million and everybody's happy, right? This is Formula One. Formula One itself, the Formula One organization, is putting on the Vegas Grand Prix. Completely different. Uh, you know, it's one of these things that I think that will that will kind of possibly turn the way we race and everything kind of on its ear. It has a really has a big possibility to you know revolutionize how and where we race for not just this series but a lot of series, you know, IMSA, all that kind of stuff. They're not out there self promoting events. Doing this could be could be an interesting thing. We'll see. But let's get back to Silverstone, shall we? Um, on the old school British Racing Drivers Club, I think puts it on, and you know they have their clubhouse there and all that kind of stuff. And okay, well, let's go to qualifying, shall we? And I know what everybody's thinking, you know, hey, there's a lot of good Brits out there, but, um, you know, look, they're probably not going to have a great showing because the Red Bull's just going to be out there and it's going to dominate everything. Not That'd be a exact, good bet. Be a good bet. Be a very good bet. 
Not exactly. Because we had two British teams. I don't know what they did. I don't know what they put in their water. I don't know, you know, what kind of fuel they put in there. If they got bigger battery packs for the, you know, hybrid whatever nonsense. If their turbo got bigger. If they got, you know, special tires like, uh, what's his name, gives Cole Trickle. Uh, Harry. Harry was his crew chief, wasn't it? That's it. Remember, he gives him the special tires? Oh, yeah. Special tires. He gives him the special tires. McLaren and Williams. Yes, you heard that right. Williams got the special tires, baby. Storied British racing teams. Storied British racing teams at their home Grand Prix. Williams, Logan Sargent, not knocked out in Q1. How about that? Is that the first time this year? I think it is. Why would you not give them special tires on their home Grand Prix? Yeah, you got to. You have to. McLaren, we'll get to them because this was incredibly exciting. I I was not expecting this. I was not expecting Williams. Here's the other thing I was not expecting, Red Bull to run into trouble. But it all makes sense at the end of the day. Okay, you've got... um, out there in, in Q1, Kevin Magnuson done blow up the car. Some good flames, actually. Nice, yeah. You know, some nice flames and everything coming out of the car. Not too sustained, though. You know, it, it was, you know, a, you know, some flames came out for two or three seconds or something like that, and then it went out. Not these crazy fire shooting, white hot bits of metal kind of thing, kablamos that we used to have. We but used, it was, to, have, it was, we used it, to have good kablamos, not so much anymore. This was a, this was a moderately decent kablamo. Better than almost all of them today, though. Red flag, okay. Everybody goes back out with three minutes left. First driver to cross the line, Sergio Perez, he's on in, and then everybody else starts coming across the line. You know, pipping him, pipping him, pipping him, knocking him back, knocking him back. Last guy comes across the line, and there goes Sergio Perez back out. He did not make it out of Q1. This is a guy who's team is leading the Constructors' Championship. His teammate is way out in front. He's won races this year, doesn't make it out of Q1. Can you make the argument, oh, well, you know, it's a wet and drying track. Yes, it was, and everything. And Red Bull maybe didn't put him out there at the most opportune time. That being said, he should have been able to get into Q2, and he didn't. And it's strange because... It's no secret that Danny Rick is waiting in the wings. Yeah, he's there. He's actually come out this week making no bones about the fact that he wants to be back in a Red Bull seat, not an Alpha Tauri seat, although that was bandied about, and he admitted that, you know, if I had to take that to, you know, if I had to go over here to get where I want to go, I'd consider it. But he really wants back in a Red Bull seat. Now, here's the the thing, though. If you're – everything is copacetic right now. Um, Red Bull running away with the world championship because they've got Max Verstappen, who's basically won every single race except for, you know, whatever Sergio did earlier in the season. You know, way, way, way out in front of the driver's championship, way, way, way out in front of the constructor's championship. If you are Red Bull, you would be crazy – to upset the apple cart. I agree. You would be crazy to go in there and say, you know, Sergio, you know, Danny is faster than you. Uh, you're out. Danny Ricardo's in. Kind of, kind of stories have come out that this is kind of what has happened at Mercedes. 
Lewis apparently really liked having Botas as, you know, the not second driver on the team, you know, whatever you want to call it, as the the other driver who doesn't have all the world championships to his name and wins every race kind of thing. He really liked Botas in that role. And, you know, May expressed that to Mercedes, and Mercedes said, thank you, but uh, we're putting George Russell in there. Making Lewis Hamilton maybe not so happy that they did that. If you're Red Bull, number one, don't upset your star player. Don't upset Max. Well, you know, keep him happy. If Max likes, uh, you know, whatever Max wants, Max gets, quite frankly, because he's that good, because he's winning all the time, because he's dominating. The reason why you're having this success, Red Bull, is because of Max Verstappen. Max wants Checo in that seat. Leave him there. Now, if we're in a knockdown dragout fight and, you know, who finishes third or fourth or whatever is going to de- determine the championship, I think Sergio would be gone after this race or before it, maybe. And we'd have somebody Perhaps. else in there. You know, it's it's tough to say. Like I said, we, we've discussed this before. The only way to gauge Danny Rick is what he does in the simulator and then put that over, you know, Sergio's performance in yeah. a simulator under equal conditions and see who does what. You yeah. know, I mean, that's that's about all they have to go on because of the testing limitations and so forth. You can't just throw Danny on a track and say, okay, go out and give us your best. And then, you know, compare that against what – and even if, you know, you like dealing with Danny, if the team likes Danny better than Sergio, it doesn't really matter unless right. you have data to support it. Right Now, Red Bull's in the position as you – you know, just told us, they don't really have to make a decision on this thing. They can ride it out. They can hope that, you know, whatever is bogging Sergio down at, at, at present, which is not inconsequential no. because he's now not made it into Q3 for five straight races. Yeah. And having the best equipment and not performing is not a great recipe to getting a contract extension. No, it's not. That That is absolutely not Even a, if you race your way through the field, it, it makes it harder on the team. It makes it more difficult on the strategists and on the equipment. There's more potential for coming together. There's more potential for done blowed up. You know, there's all this stuff that goes on. When you're pacing the field and you have margin, you know, you can take care of that stuff. But when you're racing from 15th position through the field trying to score points... It's different. Yeah. It just and it's not where the team wants to be. No, and this whole situation, it's it's got to drive somebody like Christian Horner crazy. But he's also smart enough to know. Yeah. Look, as much as this is driving me crazy, that you know, hey, let's assume that Danny Rick is quicker in the sim or whatever it is, and let's just make that assumption. You know, and you go, man, we we could put Danny Rick into the into this car today, and go faster, be more competitive. Not be more competitive, but, you know, essentially win by more, you know, get more points every single race. But at what cost? What damage does that do to the psyche of Max Verstappen? What damage does that do to, you know, to him? You know, if you're Red Bull, you hold on to him for with dear life. Whatever he wants, he gets. And that's the way it should be right now, you know. And, and that's kind of the way it is. And I think Horner is smart enough he definitely is smart enough to get that and understand, yeah, look, it's not great. It's not ideal. 
I'd love to finish one, two every single race and qualify, you know, lock out the front row every single race. That's not what that is not what is happening right now. But you know what? The results speak for themselves. And, you know, let's leave it the way it is. Well, here's here's the second interesting thing. The first interesting thing were the comments of Danny Rick about, you know, using AlphaTauri as a launching pad. Obviously, you know, it's no secret Nick DeVries has been on the hot seat. Yep. Emma Marco has stated as much openly. Um, so there is a pathway for Danny to, you know, be able to at least have a chance to show what he can do again and, you know, ingratiate himself within Red Bull to possibly getting a seat. The other comment that probably went overlooked by a lot of people was some praise from Marco from uh, about Alex Albon. Yeah. And he said that, Alex Albon is actually doing a great job, but he also said, you know, you need to understand that he is tied to Williams through 2025. Yeah. So even if they wanted to avail themselves of Alex Albon again, and he didn't, you know, prove to be spectacular this first go round. Yeah. If he has learned enough to potentially be a contender for a second seat, they don't even have access to him. Yeah. So... Just the fact that those two items, you know, came to the fore in discussions leading up to race day tells me that Sergio is not in a good place right now. No, he is not in a good spot. If you, and look, you feel bad for the guy or whatever, okay, but, you know, at the end of the day, he ain't cutting it. Well, at the beginning of the season, you know, we were three races in, and he says, I'm absolutely going to be challenging Max for the championship. Yeah. Well, we're, what, nine races in now? Yeah, and, that, and that's happen. pretty much not going to happen. Ten races in. Ten races in, and um, yeah, it ain't, it ain't happening. Um, okay, so let's uh, finish out qualifying. Uh, Q2 dries a little bit more. We go to Q3, okay? Um, we're in Q3, and both, for, for one, you, you get, um, uh, well, okay, Lance Stroll gets knocked out in Q2, whatever. Um, but... You've got both McLarens in, in Q3. You've also got a Williams out there in Alexander Albon um, as well. Both Ferraris, both Mercedes, one Red Bull out there battling it out. And, you know, who's fastest out there? Look, Lando Norris, he was fastest in Q1. He set the fastest time in Q1. They were looking very racy in Q2, very racy in Q3. Um Tell you who's not is Fernando Alonso. What's going on with Aston Martin? Why are that they just have have they you know everybody else seems to have developed and Aston Martin has just kind of stayed where they started the season. I think. Yeah, I mean, you might be able to say that. I think that perhaps their car. Remember how you know last year Mercedes, you know they were stuck to that platform that they had designed. They were they were going to die with it or they were going to win with it. Well, they died with it. But there were certain tracks where, toward the end of the season, they actually got better. And I think what we saw or what we're seeing with Aston Martin is the the car was designed, and on certain tracks it proved to be very formidable. But the development side leaning toward the tracks where they're suffering is just not on par with everybody else. Yeah. High-speed track, high-speed corners at Silverstone – and the Aston Martin just doesn't like that kind of kind of a racetrack, I guess. Um, 
Q3 Ferraris are looking good. Mercedes was looking good, but maybe not as good as everybody else. And who do we have go out there, put it on the provisional pole? Not a Ferrari, not a Mercedes, certainly not a Williams, although they qualified eighth. But Lando Norris and a McLaren goes out there, sets the best time. His teammate, Oscar Piastri, right behind him. McLaren has the front row locked out here. What in the world is going on? And then here comes Max Verstappen, gets him right at the end, and he's on pole. Normally reserved Silverstone crowd going wild. Yes. For two seconds. Yeah. I, I, it, it was all them thinking, uh, McLaren, McLaren is on the the front row. McLaren, what, what is going on here? And then here comes Max and, you know. I have to say, I am an, I'm a complete fan of, of the hometown guys giving the crowd something to cheer over. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. I remember when Felipe Massa, when he went to Brazil and the Ferrari and he had success, crowd went bonkers. Yeah. And then, you know, Fernando starting third in a Ferrari in Spain. Yep. By turn three, he's in first, you know, leading the race. Crowd goes bananas. And the same thing happened, to, you know, with quali with as soon as lando crossed that that time flashed the crowd just went spastic yeah it's great and you know they had that moment now you know max came by and as max would do he swept it under the rug and said okay you know let's move on but i'm i'm 100 in favor of that kind of stuff i love it that's great i it's it just it makes it fun and it makes it exciting and you know two tenths um uh, Max uh, ended up getting them by, and look, Max puts the car in the pole, but hey, we're going to have a front row at the race today with Max Verstappen starting from pole, Lando Norris, home track, British driver, Anna McLaren, British team, special livery for the race today, all that kind of stuff, and we're going to have a, a cool front row, and it'll be exciting. So we get to the race today. Um you know, okay, bunch of obviously a bunch of uh, famous people there and all that kind of stuff, and everybody's there, and whatever. That's exciting. I, I, it used to be just Monaco that we would see famous people though. Wire now we see famous people at pretty much every single race. It seems like. Yeah, I mean it's it's a place to go. It's a place to be seen. It's yeah. It's Formula One is you know it's high profile right now it is it absolutely is and you know i I think they're doing a good job of not forgetting you know the fans that stuck with them through all these years and you know showed up in droves this weekend yeah um they didn't show up to see the pretty people because they're not used to the pretty people being at silverstone no but four hundred eighty thousand of them showed up and i think that bodes well yeah um we can tolerate the pretty people yeah because there's a lot more of you and me. <laughs> yes, there are. There are. Um, so let's go to the start, shall we? Well, we go to the start wire and, you know, okay. Max Verstappen, he's, he, he pulls into that, you know, pole position. And then here comes Lando Norris. What does Lando do with the car? Points it basically directly at Max. You know, as if to say, I'm coming for you. You know, look, Max is on the outside. He's on the, um, uh, you know, starting on, on the left side of the track as you're, you know, looking from the back of the field uh, moving forward. 
Which ostensibly is the racing line, so it should be cleaner, more rubbered in, right, and a better starting point. And you know, it's that run down to um, to Abbey, and you're you're looking at it, going, okay, um, you know, he he's got that he's got that position, but here's Lando pointing the car basically to the far left side of the track, saying, "I'm coming for you." I'm somehow going to get this thing hooked up, and I'm I'm coming after you. Well, everybody lines up. Took a long time for everybody to grid up. I thought. Lights go. Lights go on. Lights go off. And Lando Norris gets shot out of a cannon. I mean, just an absolutely perfect start from the Brit, which he's not known for. No, he's not. Well. He got those special tires or whatever it is. The he special, got the special tires. Harry gave him the special tires. All right. It hooked up and, you know, a little bit of wheel spin from Max. Lando gets him fairly easily, actually. And Max, this is, you know, I, I think the only time we've seen Max have a remotely anything concerning the season almost. Not only does, does Lando get him, here comes Oscar Piastri. The rookie, looking really racy with Max Verstappen through that first couple complex. And Lando gets a lead, and, and Max has nothing for him. Nothing for him. Well, and this is, you know, the, the brilliance of some of these designs that when you think about it, the start is it's a very short run to turn one, and then it's a very fast right-hander, a very fast left-hander, a very slow right-hander, a very slow left-hander. And the track is super wide. And it makes, you know, on the, in the opening laps, it makes a, the perfect scenario, the perfect chessboard, if you will, yeah. to put yourself in a position to advance. And again, you know, everybody's on, you know, semi-warm tires, so not everybody's hooked up. There is no DRS for the first two laps. And it's the perfect time for people to make men. Now, I... I in my mind, I think Max says, you know what? Let Lando have his moment. You know, all I got to do is stay within a second of him for two laps. When DRS opens up, you know, the Red Bull is a superior car with that advantage. And so then we'll we'll have it out at that point. So there's no reason for Max to throw it away fighting Lando. You know, the guy, the crowd, again, went nuts which I love, and you know, and they battled on, but it was a good battle. Tell me this, Wire. When you saw Oscar Piastri pull alongside Max, what percentage of you, because I know it's not zero, what percentage of you was hoping that Piastri was going to crash out Max? Oh, it certainly wasn't zero. <laughs> no. It, it might it have been better than easier. 50%. <laughs> it, I, 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 I saw it, and I thought... Oh, he, he, you know, here comes here, Piastri looking racy. And I'm thinking, hey, he might pass him. And I'm thinking, well, if he doesn't pass him, he might crash him. Eh, it could be kind of exciting. You know, a, a battle opens up or whatever. Um, and yeah, it might have been north of 50%. Um, but I, and, and I don't, I don't ever really wish that it's kind of, you know, tongue in cheek uh, on anybody out there, you know, misfortune like that. But, you know, hey, accidents happen and, that would have been an accident that I wouldn't have been, um, you know, that upset about. 
All that. We don't have to be upset. We still could have called blame. Yeah. You know, even while we, you know, maybe rejoiced at it or, you know, maybe said, you know, well, maybe that's not a bad thing for the show. Yeah. You know, give us something to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Close the gap a little bit. Uh Uh-huh. Well. Didn't happen. As you alluded to. You know, we have this good battle, great battle, you know, back in the field. Lewis Hamilton, not not a great start from him. You know, he's moving back. Everybody, you know, some other guys are moving up, all that kind of stuff. Great battle for four, first four or five laps or so. And then, like you said, Max gets in DRS, you know, right on by Lando. And he doesn't check out right away, but he does start to pull a lead. And here we are. Everybody's running, you know, plan A. By the way, Ferrari kind of forgot what plan, what their plans meant at, at one point. When you know they're they're talking on the radio, oh, you know, uh, Carlos, we need to go to Plan B. Uh, wait, which one's Plan B? Hold on, I'll I'll get back to you. <laughs> well, you know, that's the. I, I think that's on Carlos. It's not on the team because when Carlos says, "Which plan is that?" I I, I forgot which one is Plan B. You don't want, you know, the the team boss coming across saying, yeah, plan B is where we go to a two-stop strategy and yeah. we give you medium tires on the first stop and then softs on the left. You know, you don't want them calling it out. Yeah. So now he's got he's to beg off and try and figure out how to do Morse code or something over the steering wheel telemetry to, to get, you know, Carlos some idea of what they want to do. Yeah, well. That's totally on Carlos, though. Nonetheless, as the as the race uh, progresses, look, Max is out in front. Lando's, you know, there but not there, um, and the race is starting to develop into another Max. You know, not necessarily as dominant as it has been, but he's got, I think, a seven or an eight second lead at, at one point. Um, okay, look, Esteban uh, Ocon, you know, he retires the car, pulls it into the pits, and then coming up on lap. Uh, 31, Kevin Magnuson in the Haas, done blown up. Stops the car, you know, on the track. Doesn't pull it into a Marshall stand. It's not like he, you know, just stopped it. There wasn't a Marshall stand there. Um, you know, gets out of the, you know, gets out of the car. Virtual safety car. You have a bunch of people dive in uh, during the virtual safety car. And then they said, you know what? No, we got to put this big crane out there. Got to pick the car up. We got to move it or whatever. Complete safety car. Which I don't know why they needed to do one versus the other, unless that's the protocol. That, that would be new because that's not, it's not like, oh, you know, you, you have to go virtual safety car. And then once you go virtual safety car, then you can go safety car. No, you, you can just throw a straight safety car. I've seen that plenty of times this year and in years past, and they didn't. And I'm with you. I don't know why they did that. Why not just go one or the other? Um, well, Bags was already out of the car. Yeah. And yeah. walking across the track. So, I mean, and you know you have to put bodies on track and you have to put machinery on track. So, what does that call for? Call yeah, for call a safety. for safety car. Yeah. Well, they didn't. They did virtual safety car, then a safety car. Lewis Hamilton misses the opportunity to pit on the, under the virtual safety car, but then comes in, pits during the safety car, and as such, is able to leapfrog Oscar Piastri um, in the over the course of the uh, safety car. He goes in, he puts on soft tires, um, 
Does he put on softs or mediums? I forgot what he put on. They started on the medium, so he would have had to switch. That's right. He went on the softs. The McLaren- George started on the softs. The McLarens go in, and they put on hard tires. And everybody's thinking, why? Why are you putting on hard tires, you know? Look, you know, there could be a little bit of rain out there. We had a return of the weatherman, George Russell, actually alluded to, hey, you know, there might be some rain. No, this isn't just sweat on my uh, visor. And everybody's thinking, why, McLaren, why are you going hards? Why are you going to the hard tires? Well, eventually we, we get to we get to the restart. Max gets a great start. Here's Lando on the hard tires. Here's Lewis on the soft tires. Lewis is going to eat his lunch with these soft tires that one of the big issues is not that, yeah, okay, they're faster, but they heat up so much faster. And you can't get the heat in the tires that you need behind the safety car. You got to be running at speed, or they got to come out right out of the blanket, kind of thing. Well, Lando Norris does an incredible job when the tires are not up to temperature, still getting heated up, of holding off Lewis Hamilton. Some great action back and forth between them. And Lewis Hamilton is giving it everything he's got trying to get by Lando. And, you know, they're running side by side. You know, it looks like he's going to get him in this corner. Lando didn't give him an inch. And this is a guy who I was reading a story about Lando um, 16 years ago. Watched Lewis Hamilton race at his uh, first uh, first time he went to an F1 race. So here's young Lando watching his hero, Lewis Hamilton, race 16 years ago. And here he is at the, you know at Silverstone nonetheless. Here he is at Silverstone now with you know this guy he idolizes breathing down his neck, and he does a great job of holding him off. I, I mean, really fantastic work out of out of Lando. And we all knew Lando was fast, of course. Yeah, okay, yeah, he's a fast driver and all that kind of stuff. The racecraft we saw from him today, I was incredibly impressed with. Driver of the day. He was. He was. I think what we saw, and no doubt Toto saw it too, but if you if you paid any attention during the race, the Mercedes is not a slick car. The car works, and it's getting better. Mind you, all these cars, Aston Martin, McLaren, Mercedes-Benz, all running with Mercedes power. Yeah. The Williams. So lots of Mercedes power on the grid and in and amongst the teams that are battling one another. But how often did you see George Russell behind the Ferrari with DRS not closing appreciably to make it a difference? Now, anytime Red Bull gets behind somebody and throws open the DRS, they're just like launched out of a cannon yeah. past whoever they're trying to, to get around. The Mercedes is not that way. Yeah, it's a draggy car. And, I mean, we've had, you know, this epic redesign. You know, they finally bailed on the uh, failed design from last year and the evolution model that started this year. Um, But, yeah, they've got a ton of work to do. And if they're getting results now and they get the arrow straightened out on that car, it it could be scary. Yeah, it it could be really impressive. Um, Some other action kind of back in the pack. We saw... Carlos Sainz go from 7th to 10th in the span of, I think, two corners. 
Uh, some great action there, you know, his teammate and Alexander Albon in a Williams passing a Ferrari. Yeah. Cool stuff. Saw some great action back in the pack. Um, great action towards the front of the pack. But at the end of the day, Max Verstappen goes on, wins the British Grand Prix. Lando Norris in his home race finishes in second for McLaren. And Lewis Hamilton rounds out that podium uh, in third position. Uh, rest of the drivers, Oscar Piastri finishes in fourth for McLaren. George Russell in fifth for Mercedes. Sergio Perez in sixth for Red Bull. Came through, you know, from the back of the field on up, but okay, you know. Yeah, it, look, yeah he, he scored points, and, you know, yeah. he, he did probably what he was supposed to do. Did he do it? We, You know, we'll never know, but did he do it to the level that the team expected of him? You know, fortunately, as you said, you know, early on, they're not in a neck-and-neck, knockdown, drag-out fight for the Constructors title because if they were, then Sergio's performance would be much more heavily scrutinized yes. and even more criticized. Yes. Fernando Alonso finishes seventh for Aston Martin. Alexander Albon in eighth for Williams. Charles Leclerc in ninth for Ferrari. His teammate Carlos Sainz uh, finishes out the top ten. Uh, in a Ferrari uh, driver's championship, Max Verstappen two hundred and fifty-five points, one hundred and fifty-six for Sergio Perez. We're ten races in wire uh, to this season, uh, and uh, with twelve to go, don't Max, forget Fern is nineteen points back in third. He is. Max Verstappen can finish second in every single race and still win the championship. Yeah. 99 points ahead of his teammate. He could take three weekends off, go golfing, and let Sergio win the race, yep. and he'd still come back the leader. Yeah. It's Look, not fraught with drama. No, it's not. Um, here's here's where the drama lies. My wife was talking about this when we were watching the race, so I'll give her credit for this. And she was saying, yeah, but what's exciting about this season is that there are so many different teams in that, you know, mid-pack that are competing. And, yeah, look, it's still Red Bull out front. It's Red Bull out front, yes, you know, last year. You know, you had Ferrari and Mercedes kind of nipping at their heels. It started out a little bit more even at the start of the season, but then Red Bull kind of pulled away. This year, okay, Red Bull is clearly the number one car, but, you know, on back from there, Mercedes, Ferrari, Aston Martin, and McLaren – you know, all all battling there for you know that who's that uh, you know second best so to speak and and look McLaren not a great start to the season uh, but great finish today uh, they've had uh, they leaped up a spot in the constructors championship and um, you know yeah they're almost a hundred points back but they figured something out with that car and the Williams Williams has been a complete afterthought they finished you know top ten today. So here's what that means in terms of it doesn't mean much in terms of McLaren. They've established themselves. They're now the fifth best team, at least in terms of points. But that doesn't mean they're the fifth best team on the track. Right. So they can now become a spoiler. Now, does Red Bull love that? Red Bull should adore that. Yes. Because you've now introduced another player by which you're going to spread constructor team points out. Instead of three teams, you know, Ferrari, Mercedes, and Aston Martin, now McLaren could be in the mix. And so they're going to, be, you know, have a chance to grab maximum points 
at this time or the next time and whatever. So, yeah, if I'm Christian Horner, you know, I'm tipping a glass saying, hey, you know, Zach Brown team, great job, you know. Keep it up, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, you know, I'm happy you finished second and third, you know, when I'm, when our second driver couldn't manage to get that far up. Um, so keep doing what you're doing and you'll make our life that much easier. Well, good stuff from him. Uh, good stuff uh, all around, basically. Uh, good race. Love watching it uh, from there. And, um, you know, enjoy the heck out of it and love going to Silverstone. Absolutely. So I should say you're listening to WPRK Winter Park, Florida, as we wind down um, the uh, 2023 running of the British Grand Prix. And uh, from here, we're off until the uh, 23rd, um, where we'll go to Hungary. Still going to Hungary. That's one that I wouldn't mind going away, quite frankly. But uh, here's where we're not going. Uh, we are not going to um, um, Emilia Romana Grand Prix in San Marino next week. Now, we could, but that would mean they would have to race, you know, a, a lot of weeks in a row. Wah. Five. Five weeks in a row. They'd have to work five weekends in a row. Look, that's tough. Yeah, I get it and everything. But this is, you know, San Marino. We San Marino, but, you know, Emola. It used to be called the San Marino Grand Prix. Now it's the Emilia Romana Grand Prix. But canceled terrible flooding earlier in the year. Um, canceled it. Why we're not going there next week, I don't know. Like, we were going to be there, and we canceled it. Why don't we go back? Well, I mean, it was canceled on the race weekend, and this is the only apparent opening to accommodate a race, you know, while they're still in Europe. Okay. Because then, you know, then they go on August break. And, and you know, here's the thing. They they go on August break. You know, their last race in July is the 28th and the 30th. And then, you don't know, race again till the 25th and 20 through 27th of August. So you have four weeks off. Give them three weeks off and go back to Emilia Romano. Yeah. Because as you and I, I think, both agree, that place needs a race right now. Yeah. They had that terrible flooding. You know, it was very destructive. They've now had two months to right the ship, if you will, um, and to be able to accommodate a race and all the crowds, but more importantly, all of the economic activity that follows. And I think it's a it's a bad move if Formula One doesn't go, which they're not going to, um, and it doesn't appear that they're going to make way for, you know, a makeup race anywhere on else on the schedule even though they do have they have room in between say Japan and Qatar uh, or between uh, yeah they could do it between Qatar and the US but I don't hear any talk of it so I don't know why um, I don't know why we can't work five weekends in a row or five weeks in a row I you know it's look, five weeks in a row for those guys. It is. And, and and look, I get it. It's tough and all that kind of stuff. Oh, you got to be away from your family and everything. This is what you're signing up for. You're, you're a member of a professional sports team. You travel a lot when you're a member of a, a professional sports team. Well, here's the thing. The schedule ends in November again this year, and that hasn't been the case. I think the last few years we've been into December. Yeah. Well, anyway, we're not, we're not going to go there. We should be there next week, but... We're not. Um, so, um, other uh, big news. Uh, well, the one thing that we didn't really talk about at the start of the uh, um, 
show was that the 2024 schedule has been released 24 Grand Prix on the calendar wire um, a step towards regionalization uh, this was a thing that you know um, Sebastian Vettel talked about a lot it's something that quite frankly I would love to see I would love to see some actual points awarded for this and you could have a, an America's championship a European championship and an Asian you know an Asia championship kind of thing I, I, it's, to me it's makes perfect sense and you, you know okay hey yeah you win those eight races in the Americas well you get another you know 10 points or whatever it is kind of thing I think that should be sponsor based I think they should sell sponsorship for an America's championship it'd be great and you get the three or the North American and you include Canada and Mexico well well yeah but but then you've got you know you've got Brazil you've got three races here in the US so make it six races, include yeah. Brazil, Mexico, Canada, and the three races in the U.S. Yeah. And you have an America's Cup. Yes. And then you have a Middle Eastern Cup with Qatar, Qatar if you will, and Saudi Arabia. And then you have uh, Yas Marina and Abu Dhabi. Uh, you know, and then maybe call it an Asian Cup with the Chinese Grand Prix, which is going to be back on the schedule, mm-hmm. and the Japanese Grand Prix, et cetera, et cetera. You could Singapore, do all sorts you know, of things. Throw Australia in there, whatever. Sure. And, and then, of course, uh, obviously Europe and everything, yeah, have those, you know, the cup, the America's Cup, even though I think that might be trademarked. Um, but, you know, the European Cup, the Asia Cup, the Middle East Cup, whatever it is, have these little championships in there. Look, we do it in sports car racing, which we're going to talk about here in just a second, and, and it works great. You know, you were in the North America Endurance Cup, you know, whatever it is. I think that's sponsor-based, though, and I think that's, that's a way where – FIA doesn't have to commit resources to it other than to court a sponsor who will, and let's say it's CrowdStrike. CrowdStrike's an international company. They're in the tech space, and they sponsor all sorts of motorsports. If you wanted to have the CrowdStrike America's you know, Cup Championship, you could do it. Yeah. And then you know somebody sponsors the Eastern or the Far East, Far Eastern Cup or whatever, and you roll that in with, Australia and Japan and China and Singapore, et cetera. And then the European Cup and Heineken, you know, sponsors, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But and, you and, just and tie it to a sponsor. You give them mega exposure. Yeah. And you add a little diciness, you know, a little drama, a little extra kick to the races. And, you know, quite frankly, you have some maybe not payouts, but you, you certainly award points for winning that little mini championship within a championship. You know, hey, hey, you, you. Not only did you, you know, win the race, but you also won the, you know, North America's Cup or whatever it is, mm-hmm. America's Cup. So here's an extra ten points. I'm with you. I, I think it makes perfect sense. I'd love to see that. It could make some weeks for some really interesting racing as the season closes. Uh, look, we're starting off in Bahrain next year. Okay, I'd wish we would start in Australia like we used to, but that is what it is. Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, then we go to Australia, Japan. Flipping way early in the season, in April. Back to their rainy season, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. So, I don't know. That's, yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, look, the safety record of racing in Japan and, you know, torrential downpours is not good. Uh, and, you know, uh, ending with Abu Dhabi. Got to end there. think that makes perfect sense, ending in Abu Dhabi. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, uh, last three races are, um, you know, uh, are Vegas, uh, Qatar, and Abu Dhabi. So, why are, from there, 
let's get off of Formula One. Let's go north of the border. Let's go to Canada. Uh, let's go to Canadian Tire Motorsports Park, shall we? Historically known as MoSport. What was MoSport? What, uh, what was MoSport? Is that Molson? Molson Sport or something? I, I Molson don't know. Sport. But I thought Molson was more of a, a Quebec thing, and this is in Ontario. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't, it, it boggles my mind that I don't know the history behind the naming of Mosport. Yeah. Well, whatever it is. Why um, not know that? I don't know. I don't know. Well, whatever whatever Mosport um, um, is, uh, you know, outside of outside of Toronto. Uh, this is a crazy fast racetrack. Why are this is this is like an old school track where it's just like you know this is this is a track that you know was designed for bug-eyed sprites to run on. Okay, let's just be honest. You know this is you know you get the bug-eyed sprite guys out there and you know they got 150 horsepower. It's opened in 1961. And, you know, hey, they got 150 horsepower, whatever it is. Maybe they're putting in. Actually, I don't even know. What, what do you think a bug-eyed Sprite's putting out? Horsepower? Yeah. 100? 100, 110, 115. Okay. Yeah, and, and you look, yeah, you're sliding the car. You know, the, the tires are skinny. You're sliding the car everywhere and everything. And you're not, look, you're not going crazy fast at all. This is not a racetrack that was built for modern-day 200-mile-an-hour machines. You go off the track at Mosport, you're going to hit something. You're going to hit something hard. It's going to hurt. Um, look, but it, it's been a dangerous track in the past. We haven't had an issue there in IMSA in um, a while. But it is, it is just such a cool old school track. With new pavement. Yes, which just makes it that much faster. And look, had a great race on NBC, all that kind of good stuff, and and was it was a lot of great action um, today. It, it was a lot of fun to watch, and, and certainly enjoyed watching pretty much anything there because it's just so crazy fast. So, so fast. The Andretti Straight. I don't know that we have outside of Daytona at the beginning of the season, when you have you know sixty plus cars starting the race. I don't know that we have a track that when you when you see one of the straightaways, the cars seem all bunched together, and they're sometimes going three wide because there's three different classes and they all have disparate speeds, but they're all you know they're all trying to get on with their race, and it looks like a massive L.A. freeway coming up the hill, and, and so I my question or my hypothesis i guess you will is at some point in time we may have to reconsider racing there yeah because the track is as you said incredibly fast but it's incredibly fast everywhere yes and that's the problem yeah so the two you know slowest corners in my opinion which are at the far end of the, the track as you you know lead up to the end ready straightaway which were you know a yeah Big downhill dip and then a slightly uphill right-hander and then an even sharper 90-degree right-hander that leads on to that straightaway. 
because the track is so fast, you create situations where guys have to make dangerous attempts yeah. to get by. Yeah. Because, you know, there, there's no DRS. You know, the, the draft is, is what it is, but you can't accentuate it uh, like you can in Formula One. And so there's no heavy, heavy braking areas to be able to take advantage of tire dag or bravery on the brakes um, or a mistake by a driver. You know, as long as they keep it on the track, they're going to be in your way. Yeah. And you have to find a way around. And we saw uh, in this race several instances that could have gone really, really nasty. Yeah. Where, you know, two cars are running side by side. It, it happened in the GTP class. It happened in GTD Pro. And... You know, could have it did massive damage to the cars, but it could have done worse. Yeah, and so I don't know. Do do we continue to go? I love the racing. I love being on that track. I think it's super exciting. But from a safety standpoint, something may have to change. I don't know what that is. Yeah, and it, it's one of those tracks where Royal Atlanta used to be like this. All right. There were concrete barriers basically right next to the track. And then they moved them all back kind of thing. And, look, if you go off the track at Road Atlanta, I mean, I've, I never drove it when they had the barriers right up, you know, next to the track. And before they – when they just had the dip and they didn't have the chicane, you know, uh, 10A, 10B kind of thing. I, I never drove it before they added that kind of stuff. Road Atlanta scary as hell in a lot of spots. And they used to run motorcycles – in that configuration, yeah. With that, now they still run motorcycles, but they've redesigned the track yeah. to be slower in certain areas. And I'm in a little, you know, Honda CRX, going. This is this is scary. Like there are parts of 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 Road Atlanta that are just downright scary. Canadian Tire Motorsports Park, most sport walls are closer it's faster it's even scarier i mean i it just it does freak me out a little bit i love watching it you know i love watching stuff there but yeah you know something goes wrong the bug-eyed sprite hits another bug-eyed sprite at 80 miles an hour okay you know they spin off they stop in the grass maybe they get to a, a tire barrier or something probably like not. that probably not these guys are approaching 200 miles an hour if not over 200 down the Andretti straightaway. Yeah, you, you have a coming together in, at, at 200. It's much different than, you know. And that's where two of those accidents occurred. Yeah. The Aston got nudged in the middle of the corner, made an outside pass. He was clear of the Mercedes. WeatherTech Mercedes lost grip, you know, swung wide, bumped him off the track, and, you know, you're at maximum speed. There's nowhere to go but in the tires. There's no margin. There's no margin. And right at the end of the race, you know, Ranger Van der Zanda, who has not had the best of luck here in the last two months between his crash at Spa and this crash, and I think he added one other crash too, but um, pulls up alongside of the BMW, the 24 BMW. They get to the top of the hill and go to turn, you know, turn right, and the BMW just moves him off the track. Now, whether he didn't see him or not, I mean, he got a penalty for it, but it shot Vanderzana straight into the tire barrier, and fortunately for him, the tire barrier was, you know, 50 yards off the track, but he's going almost 200 miles an hour. 
And yeah, it, it could have been bad. Yeah, could have been very bad. Um, let's run down the finishing order. We, we are running out of time. Colin Braun, Tom Blumquist uh, winning for Meyer Shank Racing. Uh, Felipe Albuquerque and Ricky Taylor finishing in second for Wayne Taylor in the uh, uh, Acura lockout uh, on the top two for them. Uh, BMW, um, uh, Connor Felipe and uh, Nick Yellowy uh, finishing in third there. Um, Matthew Jaminet uh, and Nick Tandy finishing in fifth. Reason we mentioned them, we were talking, we were waxing poetic about Matthew Jaminet and how great he drove at Watkins Glen. Uh, and then what did IMSA do? They went and changed the results after the race because the car didn't pass tech. Hey, look, you had this issue. The car didn't pass tech. They also bounced Turner, I think, from the uh, Michelin Pilot Sport Cup race, too, if I'm not mistaken. Hey, you got a problem with you know that was a fuel uh, fuel cell issue I think or, or fuel or no they were underweight if I'm not mistaken Turner was that you know the Porsche hey you know you're getting bounced because you the the wear plate or whatever it is yeah. was worn too much the plank yeah it's all well and good but if you're Meyer Shank Racing and it turns out you cheat you know using complex computer code during the Rolex uh, it's okay. Imps is sending a mixed message here? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Now, I will say, you know, the, they've played it up, you know, as, oh, how terrible this has been for Meyershank Racing. They're dragging us through the mud. Well, you cheated. Yeah. You know, you didn't get bounced on a technical. Well, they didn't know, get bounced. They kept the win. Right. They lost, you know, they, they lost, lost, lost points. I think they lost the money, too. They lost a fine. They yeah. Got, they kept they the got, watches, though. Fine, kept the watch, you know, kept the victory. Kept and lost the points, though. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't agree with that. I didn't agree with it then. Um, so, you know, Mike Shank called it a, um, you know, a victory for the whole team. In light of all they've been through this year, he played it up. And, you know, what are you going to do? You're a team owner. You're going to say that kind of stuff. Yeah. Got to pump up your team. But, in, you know, to your point, are they sending a mixed message? Yeah, kind of. Because a blatant violation, which was orchestrated at the Rolex, you know, when you look at the Rolex, you know, winners over the years, still going to say Meyershake Racing Acura. Yeah, it is. And so, you know, then teams that get bounced on a technicality that occurs during the race being underweight or the legality plank being, you know, shaved too thin or whatever from running the curbs. Yeah, and all of a sudden, you know, you get penalized for that. I, you know, look, I, I don't. Maybe, maybe the right answer is, you know, okay, dock them half. I don't know what the right answer is. I, I just, you know, consistency. I like, um, and it seems like we can never quite find that in racing. That being said, let's move on to GTD Pro, where we had Corvette breaking through first time this year. Antonio uh, Garcia and Jordan Taylor, uh, not to be outdone. Uh, their their sister team over in WEC. Uh, clinched the uh, championship uh, this weekend at uh, Monza. We're not going to have time to talk about that today, but, you know, hey, good racing day for Corvette all around. Uh, Porsche finishing uh, in second, uh, Patrick Pile and Klaus uh, Balker. Um, and then uh, GTD Pro, uh, third place, the WeatherTech Mercedes GTD. Paul Miller Racing in the BMW, uh, finishing uh, on the top step of the podium. Uh, Inception Racing in the McLaren finishing in third, and the Mercedes um, uh, and a Mercedes finishing in third there in GTD. 
All told, it was a um, yeah, great race. Enjoy. It was. It. There was a you lot know, was of good, good racing. Race, a, lot of, a lot of good stuff, and you know, it's such a cool track to watch racing. But wire, I'm kind of with you there. Like uh, this could, this the the speeds are just so high now. Look, we're going to VIR later in the season. Prototypes don't go to VIR. Just the GT cars. It's just be crazy fast, quite frankly, with prototypes there. So we're not taking prototypes there. Would it be? Would you still watch this if this was a GT only track? Sure, I would too. Maybe that's the right answer. But I, I'm with you. I'm thinking that this is. I don't know. I don't want to be the safety police because I don't like the safety police. But man, there's just it's so close, so many times, and you're thinking, my God, you know, this could all end really, really bad. Thankfully, it didn't um, today. Um, Wire, as we uh, we, we kind of close out here, I guess, well, we need to make some predictions for uh, Hungary because we're not going to be back uh, until then. Um, but before we do that, um, we'll just we'll just say that Hungary, um, well, is is everybody's answer to the question, what would happen if Formula One had an autocross, basically? We've actually have had some exciting races in Hungary over the years. We have. Yeah. But a lot of times we haven't, too. Um, before we get there, before we make predictions, let's talk about NASCAR, shall we? Sure. You watched that Chicago race wire? I watched the uh, the abbreviated version of it. Shane Van Ginsbergen coming through. Oh, yeah. NASCAR boy. Yeah, NASCAR boy. Not really. Straight out of New Zealand. <laughs> Uh, really He's a cool. stud, man. He is. He really cool to see him win. You know, a V8 supercar guy, uh, first time uh, a road course ringer, so to speak, has won since Mark Donahue. Um, back in the day, crazy so, to think, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and I'm watching the start of this race, and you know, look, they got all these weather issues, and oh my god, they're going to put these NASCAR boys out on wet tires and everything on the street circuit. And they're bumping into things. They're running into each other. And, and then, you know, the circuit starts to dry and the track starts to dry. I'll tell you what, it takes a lot of talent to hustle around a heavy, heavy car like that around a street circuit. The shots of the cars, you know, going down, um, was it Lake? What, what's the what's the big drive? Lakeshore Drive. Lakeshore Drive in Chicago. Not Monaco, setting. by the way. Not Monaco, but... I thought it looked great. It was a huge victory for for NASCAR. I thought it was awesome. Uh, you know, proof great of ratings concept. for them too. Yeah, huge ratings. Um, you know, raced later in the day. I'm looking at it, going, "This is this is cool." I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it. You know, watching the you know the crash fest that was you know the rain at the start. Not a big fan, but you know it looked cool. Chicago looked great and all that kind of stuff. And I'm watching it thinking. This needs to be right a night race. How cool would that be if we did a, um, if they did a uh, kind of, you know, whatever uh, Singapore esque you know night race type thing there sure. for NASCAR in Chicago? I'm also looking at this going. NASCAR used to be like old school. We're not doing anything. We're stuck in our ways. Whatever it is, they're doing a lot of different stuff out there. Yeah, IndyCar starting to get very stuck in its ways. I think uh, doing some really novel stuff though is NASCAR. Love to see it. Love to see what they're uh, doing, racing more street curses and everything. And I'm watching it, cheering on Shane Van Gensbergen, and I am not a NASCAR guy at all and enjoyed the heck out of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was good. It was entertaining. Yeah. So on that note, Wire, let's make some predictions, shall we? 
Uh, Mr. Chris Wire, your prediction to win the 2023 Hungarian Grand Prix coming up here Not in two weeks. Not Sergio Perez. Not Sergio Perez. You know, that's a good choice. Uh, that's a good choice. Technical track, tight track. Could it favor a different car? I think it Absolutely might. Absolutely not. But it's not. It's going to be yeah, Max. It's gonna it's gonna be be Max. So who, who's going to be your second place guy? Real quick. Uh, not Lando. Um, Fern. Fern. Okay, I like Fernando Alonso. Uh, I'm going to say his teammate, Lance Stroll, is going to come through, actually. Yeah. Well, on that note. Not a good choice. Yeah. We're off the next two weeks. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll be back in a little bit, talk about some racing. I'm going on vacation. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Until next time, for Chris Moore, I'm Clark Sprinkle. Bye-bye. Boom, 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 boom,